Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power Podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my magical guest for today is Don Oscar Miroquesada. Don Oscar, a transpersonal psychologist and respected Kamaska Curandero and Alto Misayok adept from Peru, is the originator of Pachacuti Mesa tradition, cross-cultural shamanism founder of the Heart of the Healer Shamanic Mystery School, fellow in ethnopsychology with the Organization of American States, and invited observer to the United Nations Forum on Indigenous Issues. It is such an honor to have you on the podcast, Oscar. Welcome. I'm thrilled and it's mutually uh, a deep honor to support the extraordinarily important work that you are doing on planet ushering in the goddess or the reclaiming the goddess culture during these challenging times that we are all facing as a planetary species. So mm. thank you again, Emmy, for opening up the space to plant a couple of humble seeds of Andean mystical tradition and shamanic guidance in the hearts and minds of all listeners. Mm, thank you so much. And I, I cannot wait to delve into our conversation and see the depths that we get to swim in today. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, Oscar, since my podcast is called Sacred Feminine Power, I love to start by asking my guests, what does Sacred Feminine Power mean to you personally? Sacred feminine power means to me the honoring of women's sovereignty as beings that carry life within them and account for the extraordinary majesty and beauty of Pachamama's evolutionary unfolding, not only as a planet, but as a partner in the cosmic mother's dance and dreaming. In the shamanic traditions of my people of Peru, we revere the, the feminine and we have always positioned women as the most trustworthy wombs through which a new humanity can emerge, a humanity free of the patriarchal um, dominance that we have all been subject to for millennia. And that is why the shamanic traditions of Heart Island, as we call South America, are now gaining such a firm hold within the spiritual sadhana or practice of many non-indigenous peoples in the world, much like the Eastern philosophies did in the 50s and 60s. The shamanic traditions of the Americas are doing the same because it, it reveres the feminine and it finds the sanctity of women's role as transformers of pain and suffering into wholeness and loving intention to be fundamental within the great changes of the Taripaipacha, the prophecies that we know, the era of reencounter. Women are honored in good way regardless of what society and culture has tried to do in minimizing their power. So that's how I understand divine, sacred, feminine power. Mm, 
beautiful. You, you've just opened so many beautiful, delicious portals there for us to dive deeper into. Uh, but before we go there, Oscar, I would really love to hear from you about a challenge that you have faced that's really helped you to activate this power within you. Well, that is quite quite easy for me to respond to my good sister. As I mentioned earlier, I had the privilege of being a single parent to a daughter uh, since she was a year and a half when her mother uh, departed. And in, until now, she's 40. She's going to be 41 next year. But she's, we, are, we still have a very close relationship that merges my role as her father with my sensitivity and empathy and and presence, really presence uh, as, a, as a mother in her life, which she never had. And so it was very difficult for her to establish trustworthy relationships with women, friends. And, uh, and over time, uh, that became uh, very isolating for her. And she sought to uh, fulfill that emptiness of feeling abandoned by the most important caretaker in her life uh, with some unhealthy behaviors, which I held lovingly in, in my own being and, and allowed her to move through them in a manner that a mother would, I, I hope. It's impossible for me, being in the body of a man, to truly um, empathize and, and, and live the, the true uh, maternal instinct that all of you women have been born with been blessed by yet that was the main challenge that daily with every breath i took i reminded myself that yes at one time i was androgynous before i differentiated in terms of my sex before i was conditioned in my gender and that i can open up to that space again and be there fully as a mother to my daughter and that challenge deepened my respect and service to women in the world in their shamanic yearnings to be of service as vessels for the great work. Mm, beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing about this uh, part of your life, Oscar. And I know that you've just provided some medicine for our listeners by what you shared as well. And thank you for your real deep awareness of what was needed uh, for your daughter in, in those moments and, and during those phases in her life when she was going through her, her own challenges. I, I can't imagine it having been easy to, to try and be a mother and a father at the same time, especially to a daughter. So thank you for doing it so consciously. Well, of course, we, we are responsible for the children we bring into the world. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a culture in which family is sacrosanct and, and uh, you're, you're there for them because it's your dharma. It's, it's, your, it's your path to um, provide safety and nurturance and an opportunity for them to evolve and develop into the most beautiful shining lights that they can in the world. And I'm very grateful to say that my daughter now is a woman of great power and, uh, and self-determination and is 
truly making a difference in, in, in her own life and in the lives of those that she uh, works for. So um, I'm very, very proud of her. And um, it's very rewarding after many, many moons, many years of, of not knowing what the hell is going to happen, <laughs> <laughs> that uncertainty. Yet uh, here we are, and things are good. Mm, that's wonderful. Beautiful. Now, what would you, Oscar, say was the, and you kind of hinted at this already, but what would you say was the hidden blessing or the divine meaning in that challenge now that you are on the other side of it and your daughter is on the other side of it as well? My ability to truly feel um, the plight of women in the world. Uh, I look around and I see single mothers, not only with one daughter, but with five children, daughters and sons, and trying to make ends meet. I see in my own country, uh, women, widows that have lost their husband due to accidents in mining or in railroad work and are left with a plot of land uh, that they counted on their husband to help uh, cultivate the edibles and medicinal plants that are necessary for the flourishing of the health of their communities, their ayus. And to do without that support is very difficult. And so mm, the blessing has been to be much more understanding and, um, and resonant, energetically resonant with the, the plight of women in the modern Western world and motivated to do something about it uh, through the shamanic traditions that I've been apprenticed in. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, how would you say that you are able to support the plight of the modern woman through the shamanic principles that you adhere to? Well, most of the circles that I serve, what we call IUs or extended families, are comprised of, of women. I'd say 70% are women. Uh, they, women are much more intuitive. They're much more relational. They're much more in tune with the rhythms, pulses, cycles, tonalities of the natural world. Uh, they are tuned in to, in a way that uh, men have been conditioned out of. It's not that they cannot be tuned in to the same um, life flow like women do. But after all, women have this extraordinary gift of having been born with the rhythm of the moon so they can feel within their own bodies the movement of that amniotic universe that pulses through the great breath of creation and hence our when gather in circle create this extraordinary field of transformation this extraordinary field of of ele elevated consciousness and so the shamanic arts that i've been introduced to involve a great deal of what are known as or or despachos earth offerings in which you create a, a a banquet to feed the spirit world mostly the beings that inhabit 
the, the mountains and the sacred temple sites, the rivers, all of the natural expressions of Mama Pacha, of Mother Nature, have these guardians in them. And the women that use these uh, tools, such as these earth offerings, these feedings of, of Mother Nature's spirit denizens, um, uh, just are natural at it. They, it's it's in their it's in their soul, and there's no training really necessary to to undergo. I'm able to just cut cut several of our, of our sisters loose and say, okay, you guys have been doing this for many many incarnations. Obviously, thank you for showing up. Here is the bundle, the medicine bundle, and during this particular time in alignment with the celestial movement, uh, please go to your primary uh, mountain or apu deity and do the offerings there to feed the, the, the ley line body of our mother. So what we do is we nourish the womb of the earth through our own nourished womb as, as women in, in the Peruvian tradition. So that's that's one way that I, I can do so. Mm, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I'm resonating very strongly with, with everything that you say there. Um, earlier on, when I asked you to define sacred feminine power, Oscar, you, you spoke about the prophecy coming from your lands, the era of re-encounter. Did I get that correctly? Correct. Would you please share a little bit more about that? What does it what does it mean? Certainly, uh, I mean, that's a, a good thing to look at on this podcast because uh, the prophecies of our ancient ones, especially in Heart Island, have been manifesting increasingly uh, since, uh, you know, the early 50s, as predicted, much like the Hopi prophecies in the same way. And so we have this notion of uh, pachacutis, world reversals, cosmic transformations, cycles of death and rebirth on a planetary scale, which are essentially rites of passage that every organism, every sentient being, and the earth included, because we understand our mother earth, Pachamama, to be living, pulsing, breathing, sentient being, that they have to go through these shape-shifting cycles of of transformative evolution and growth. Yet there are certain beings, such as us two-legged humans, that have forgotten how to live in alignment with these changes, with the flux, with the flow of, of the necessary transformation and change that comes with life. And that forgetfulness has resulted in, in stagnation of the heart. For we consider in the Andes the pollution of mind more dangerous than the pollution of the environment. Faulty thinking, stinking thinking, the drunken monkey mind, which is so characteristic of our postmodern analytical obsession with trying to figure everything out instead of just letting everything in, uh, has resulted in, in the chaos that we are experiencing. Within these cycles of pachacuti, or cosmic transformations and world reversals, there are moments known as the Tari Pacha, or the era of reencounter. 
then you can see this having occurred throughout history at times during these famous axial ages that we talk about, where various spiritual avatars have just popped up over the planet and established ways of connecting with the earth and connecting with their own spiritual self. But in the Andes, we understand that Taripaipacha is the time in the prophecies in which people from all walks of life, ideological persuasions, cultural backgrounds, will gather at the table of the Pachayachachik, the world teacher that is none other, none other than oneself. There's no outside teacher that's going to provide us with the solutions to our challenges, our vicissitudes. It has to come from connecting with one's higher self within. And therefore, we are, there's a prophecy in which all these people from diverse parts of the planet and diverse origins will gather and break bread together at the table of the world teacher, at their own table. And this we see happening increasingly throughout the world. Now, what happens is when you break bread at the table with other like-hearted and soul-resonant beings is that that becomes a banquet that feeds our star relative origins. It feeds the source that we came from, that is of a celestial realm. Hence, the famous hermetic axiom, as above, so below, spoken by the thrice great Thoth, or Hermes Trismahistus, begins to be crystallized within the planetary noosphere, the global consciousness of humankind. And that Akashic, that Akashic record starts to seed itself within the heart of each individual human. And a whole new awakening of consciousness is possible for humanity. And this we see happening. Now, <laughs> I know this is a little long-winded, and I'm sorry for such a long answer. That's okay. You asked. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what, what is, according to our prophecies spoken by our ancestors, um, various rituals and ceremonies need to co consistently be practiced at, at, at specific sacred sites around the world, venerated uh, pilgrimage destinations, uh, landscape shrines that are indigenous and original peoples uh, revered themselves and still do, and that we have to go uh, as humanity to these places and perform these rituals. And so far, we've been doing a kind of decent job yet not to the highest level of, of, of transformative power that can really happen. So according to my teachers, which are now on the other side of the veil, we're about 200 years behind schedule. Mm -hmm. That's how, that's how, how specific their, their timing of, the, of this era of re-encounter was in those days. So um, it's a matter of just showing up and speaking your truth and showing your beauty unhindered by fear, doubt, and insecurity. 
and remaining really non-attached to the outcome of your ceremonial service to the great turning, to the great change that we're all facing right now. That's the best way I can explain it, my love. Mm. Well, I could listen to you for hours, Oscar, and uh, what you've just provided there is, is such a beautiful, beautiful explanation of what is going on on our planet, um, on, on throughout our planet, really, and collectively for us as humans and for everything else that is alive on our planet as well. And the use of ceremony and ritual, the way you talk about it is, it feels like very, very powerful, potent medicine. And I, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but I can really feel the energy that surrounds us during this interview. It's very, very mm. potent. Our, I think our guides are very strongly present right now. And of course, mm. your energy and your vibration as well. So I'm actually finding it hard to find the right words to speak out loud because the energy is so strong. And I know I'll be re-listening to this and really taking in the wisdom of what you just shared there as well to really fully understand it as well. I would love to hear a little bit more, Oscar, about your recently published book, Shamanism, Personal Quest of Communion with Nature and Creation by Sacred Stories Publishing. Would you please tell us a little bit more about that? Gladly, thank you. Um, Yes, this book has been uh, alchemically gestating within my my soul uh, for a few years now. And it so happened that Ariel Patricia, the founder of Sacred Stories, out of the blue contacted me and asked me if I, I was willing to write a book on shamanism to be part of her series, uh, which is intended to mainstream the mystical in the modern world, right? So um, I went to my medicine lodge here and communed with my ancestor spirits and asked for guidance. And and uh, after a few days, <clears throat> realized that, yes, it was the right venue to do so and get this teaching out into the world. I have two, four, two other books that I've published before, yet this one is more of a my intention was to truly illuminate the pioneering consciousness enhancing and and, and soul vivifying role played by shamanic wisdom traditions and ritual healing artistry across humankind's evolutionary trajectory on earth. Um, Yet it was also a hom it is written as a homage to heart Island pre-Columbian cosmology and also shamanic practice. And the main purpose is to hasten the um, human spiritualization on a global scale. And that involves, of course, the return of goddess consciousness, of the divine feminine uh, within every thought, word, and action that humankind's enact uh, on this planet. It's a big task. And this book is just one little seed of many seeds that are out there to help this process unfold. So I agreed to write it, and Ariel was very kind to um, give me some guidelines. And so the book also, aside from my own teachings and writings in it, contain 
25 riveting stories by other people, some of which I don't even know, never have even met, others that are my apprentices and students and that have all had some sort of shamanic encounter with the non-ordinary reality that has really healed them or, or beneficently transformed their earth walk. And so you have these personal stories of people, aside from my own personal stories, speaking openly about the reality of shamanic consciousness in their lives as medicine, as a, as a gift of healing grace uh, that came from great spirit, and how that has been internalized and given expression. In the Andes, we have this notion of if, if you can't grow corn and potatoes with it, it's, it's worth nothing, meaning if you cannot give it form and beautify and sanctify the earth with it, then it might as well just be a little, you know, dream or fantasy. So these, these authors have really lived their, their transformative experience. So that's a, the second part of the book. First part is an introduction into shamanism and its, its universal appeal and all of that. And the third part has various practices, methods of accessing shamanic consciousness, and some final reflections that have to do with the prophecies of the Andean peoples that I, I've covered a little, little bit in our conversation, and how that is aligned with the changes that are occurring on planet, and some guidance as to how to be part of a larger movement, whether you can be there physically or not, of holding space for the new birth of humankind in alignment with our Mother Earth's agenda and original instructions. So in a, that's the, in a nutshell, that's what this book is about. And I encourage everybody that feels a resonance with what I'm sharing to pick it up and give it a read. And please, you know, drop a little review on Amazon that helps disseminate the, the wisdom teachings. Thank you so much, Emmy. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I've, I've only just started reading the book myself, and I, I literally cannot put it down. <laughs> the, the words that you use there are so, so gracious and so beautiful, and, and it really resonates at such a deep level. So I really, truly hope that all of our listeners will get a hold of that book and will, of course, include the link to it in the show notes as well. I was Much wondering... appreciated. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Oscar, I was wondering if you could still answer one more question for me. In the book and uh, in a lot of your um, YouTube videos and your trainings, you use the beautiful concept of the hollow bone. And I find this such a, such a magical term. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about from your understanding what hollow bone means. Gladly. Well, Hollow bone is taken really from North, North American indigenous or Aboriginal uh, wisdom teachings. And it's spoken about worldwide in various other spiritual traditions, of course, yet not called a hollow bone. The beauty of calling it a hollow bone is that the bones of, of oneself and the bones of our mother uh, are the structure that keeps our body in integrity. And therefore, within those 
that structure, there has to be a conduit. There has to be a, an unhindered opening for energy to flow through. In the case of our human bones, of course, our bone marrow is in there that is without which we would not be alive because it's where all our red blood cells, oxygen-rich cells are produced. Yet when a person dies, that bone marrow dries up. So when you pick up a bone, it's hollow inside. And our native shamanic peoples of the Americas revered bones for that reason. That's why they've been made into flutes and whistles and so many other ceremonial items that accompany the altar work of, of our shamanic ancestors and current practitioners. Now, that said, <clears throat> when, when one enters in, says yes to or heeds the call to a shamanic life, uh, 99% of the time, it requires a death of the ego, an annihilation of a sense of self-importance, of, of narcissism, of self-absorption. And it is called the shamanic dismemberment or the initiatory crisis. And we've all been through it, and you have been through it, as I've read your story a little bit, my good sister, in which... One just needs to be torn apart and the flesh pulled off one's bones and one's bones pulverized. And then that same force or presence that did that will reintegrate us, put us back together and then blow the power of that ability to, to destroy as well as to create into us. And that's when we are reborn anew. That all is part of what it means to be a hollow bone. Yet the most significant aspect of it is to understand that we are just vessels, that we are just conduits, that we are flutes, wind instruments for great spirit and our cosmic mother to play her music and express her beauty through us. And that the more we step out of the way and not become attached to assuming credit for the healing or the loving transformation that our presence on earth offers others, the quicker the great prophecies of our ancient ones will manifest and become crystallized fully within the hearts of humankind as a whole. In other words, not taking ourselves too seriously, remaining totally open and non-attached to the outcome of our loving service and understand that death returns to us what life took away. That's what it means to be a hollow bone. Hmm. Beautiful. I'm just sitting here with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> Your words are just so, so beautiful. And the way you express this is, it just has this, you know, deep embodied wisdom attached to it. So thank you for sharing all of the wisdom that you have done during this interview. And thank you for all the work that you do, Oscar. Thank you for who you are and who you are becoming. Really, really appreciate you. It's mutual, my good sister. Thank you so much for keeping the flame alive. <laughs> thank you.
Now, everybody, just for a moment, let's focus our intention and our awareness on this powerful energy that's been activated. And imagine sending this energy to everybody and everything on our planet to remember that we are all one and that the more of us have the courage to step into our sacred feminine power, the more quickly our planet will also heal and ascend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening.